I'll tell you, God, what God's put on my heart is how can we be the salt and the light for Jesus Christ? How can we not only live it, but just like some of the songs we just sang, how can we encourage one another? How can we lift each other up? Because we're soldiers for Christ. And, you know, when you look at God's word, and he talks about a soldier, and, and what, what God wants to do with our life, he wants us to reach the world with the gospel. And so I'm going to start off with one of my favorite passages here, which is, I'll be jumping out. I've got so many things in here that pray that I can focus. I wrote down a couple of titles because I just wasn't happy with one. It's like, call it the good news reminders. So what I'm hoping, what God will do with every one of us sitting here today, is that God would remind us constantly. And you're not going to take too many notes because I tell you, I got two or three sheets here for you to where I wanted to make sure when you walked out the door, you were armed with what God is giving us right now. And so I put down here, well, what's the good news? Not just what the good news to someone who knows Jesus Christ, but what are we to do with the good news? And then what about the people in our family, the people we work with, our neighbors? What do they know? about the good news. What do they really understand about what God is trying to tell us? And I think when we look at it, God tells us that a person who has not come to faith and repentance to believe and follow Jesus Christ, Satan has blinded their eyes. And they don't understand what God's word is telling them. Now, when the Holy Spirit convicts them and draws them unto salvation, that's God's department 100%. The Holy Spirit is the one that draws, that leads, that convicts. Now, our job is not to play Holy Spirit. Our job is to be the ambassador, the priest, the messenger. We're the ones that need to convey that message in a clear, concise way. And so what, what God put on my heart is, you know, is what is the true responsibility of a born-again Christian? And I'm going to cover some of these things uh, with, with what I want to share with you. And so because every one of these passages, honestly, you could spend a lot of time on independently, let alone about a half a dozen that, that God put on my heart. So what I want to do is kind of like what we heard in one song about taste. Well, it's like, what does God tell us? To taste and you will see. If once you taste of what God's word is putting on your mind, how he's transforming your life, when you get a taste of what 
I hope and pray every single one of us have as a priority in our life. That I want you just to think about some of these things to where when you think about not just what's the good news mean to me, we should have a pretty clear understanding. And I think by the time you take this sheet and kind of pray over it and read it through this week, it's going to give you a broader, broader look at what God wants us to live, to share, and to be a part of in our daily living. Because I tell you, we've got a lot of lost people out there. And we all know pretty much our government's in a mess. We know that globally countries are in a mess because they're not saved. They don't know Jesus Christ. They don't understand what hope and true peace is and true joy is and true forgiveness and removal of guilt. And they don't understand all these things. And so I'm hoping this will help you just see a little bit more about what is the good news. But then, most importantly, not only to live it, but to share it. To share it in a way that the Holy Spirit can take his word and your life and put that into the hearts and minds of the people you know. It may be children, grandchildren, it might be neighbors, it might be people you work with, wherever you go. You know, but I think about this and I look and say, well, what's the good news? Well, let's just review it. We know that Jesus rose from the dead. The best news in the world is, is not that Jesus died, but that Jesus rose again. And it's the risen Savior, Savior that people need to understand. Well, when you look uh, there in the first 10 verses of Matthew chapter 28, it said Jesus is risen from the dead. Then he tells both Marys there at the, the angel told both these Marys, well, don't be afraid. Rejoice. Go tell the disciples that Christ is risen and he's on his way to Galilee. And so the angel's given a message to the two Marys, Magdalene and, and both of them. I mean, can you imagine if you walked into a tomb expecting to see Jesus laying there and he's gone and you've got how, how bright those, those white robes might have been or how they looked? I can't even hardly envision what that's like. But I think if I saw two angel-looking people in a, a cave of a tomb, I think I'd get a little nervous. In fact, I might be afraid that what, what's going to happen to me? You know, well, can you imagine a little bit of that fear? I think about the fear people have who don't know Jesus Christ, who don't have the assurance of salvation. And it, it's it, the angels, they told him, they said, well, rejoice. You know, they said, go, go tell the disciples that Jesus is risen. Well, when his disciples saw him, and this is the interesting part, they worshipped him. And they couldn't believe, probably, that Jesus had come back to life. But now, like the world today, that verse also says, but some doubted. 
Some didn't believe. And so, think about it today. You may be just throwing out a little seed, sharing a little bit with somebody who's hurting, who's burdened with sin, burdened with um, trials in their life, losing relatives, facing a divorce, all the things that we think about that are the negative things of life. Some, if not many, may doubt the gospel message that we are to share. But we can't let that discourage us. We can't let it defeat us. We, we've got to just say, Lord, it's by your power and your strength, but use my life. Use my life to make it so clear, sharing the gospel, that these people will be convicted by the Holy Spirit, that they'll see that there is hope. There is a way I can have peace. There is a way that I can know I have eternal life. That my, my time here on earth has not been wasted. That all I've been doing is chasing after vain things. That I've led a life of pride and vanity. And what has it got me? People, all of a sudden they're young, pretty soon they're middle-aged, and pretty soon we're getting up there. And we're thinking, Lord, you know, Help me make my life count for you. Help me to be sold out. Help me to be on fire for you. And for people to see the attitude, the character, that, Lord, I want you to develop in me, that challenges people to think, man, I want to have what you've got. You know, I don't have that. And we've got a lost, lost world. We have got a messed up government. We've got messed up neighbors. Messed up people in our families. You know, we need to be praying for each other's children, grandchildren, uh, and those we come across wherever we go. It could be Winco, Rayleigh's, or the gas station. We always meet somebody. And think of ways where you can plant a seed, hand a gospel track out to bring people. To come face to face. I think one of the things that I get excited about is simple questions you can ask people that get them engaged to see you really care about them. And that you want to hear about their life. You want to be able to do something to bring them to hear the gospel. And, it, and sometimes it can happen easy. Most of the time it's difficult. Most of the time... People don't want to listen. But does that mean we give up? No. Just remember one thing. As an ambassador, a priest, or a soldier for Christ, we cannot afford the luxury. And I think it's more important now than ever. We need to pray for the pastors in these churches that have gone away from the word. We need to pray for Christians that have been deceived by weak preaching. We need to really pray for the world that God would bring these people to an understanding of Jesus Christ. And so when we look at this, I'm going to go quickly through several things. But I'll tell you, when Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, 
in Matthew 28, 18, 19, 20, he told us what to do. And the application, go therefore and make disciples of all nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then teaching them to obey and observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, I mean, we've got God's promise. We've got God's command of what to go do. And if God would have only meant that for the disciples, where would we be? I've heard people tell me that, oh, that, that verse doesn't really mean that all of us are to share the gospel, or that not all of us are to be the salt and the light. That was only meant for the disciples back, back 2,000 years ago. Well, think about this. You think Jesus is going to tell his disciples that, oh, this message is a secret. Only you can give it out. Once you're dead, it's over. There's no more gospel. I don't think so. When you look at the depths of the meaning go, it meant wherever you go, to whoever you go, never ending. And, and that's the bottom line of, of that verse uh, in verse 19. And I just, I wrote in my Bible, I said, our purpose is to go, make disciples, and really it's a command to all believers until Christ returns. There's no way the gospel is going to be heard. There's no way people are going to come to know Christ because God appointed man once to die, then the judgment, and in the meantime, if believers just remain, like most churches have become in America, comfortable, entertainment-minded, and you hear in 9 out of 10 denominations I've spoken at in the last 12 years, I've just seen a gradual decline in people hearing about true faith, true repentance, hand-in-glove, being baptized, committing your life to Christ, surrendering your life to Him, and giving up the things of the world to be a follower of Jesus Christ and a proclaimer of the gospel. And so, and you don't hardly hear, I haven't heard one in ten churches talk about the wrath of God or the judgment, and yet we've got people, when I look at how many friends, Joy and I, we've had about 50, 60 friends pass away during COVID. And when you get older, you'll find out because you have a lot of older friends, they go quickly. And especially when times are bad. Well, the whole thing is, when I look at this, I think, who's going to replace those solid Christians that have gone if the young people, if the children are not hearing the complete Bible, the total gospel story about the forgiveness, about that is only the beginning. That Christianity is not a temporary situation. It is a journey. It's a journey all of our life. And we can't get older and say, well, I've done, I did my bit 10 or 20 years ago. Now it's time for golf, entertainment, and relaxation. You know, I'll tell you, Christians, if ever I've noticed it, we've got to step up. We've got to step up and make our life count in proclaiming the gospel.
It says in Romans 5, uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, I probably should have given you that one sheet. That way you'd have all those scriptures right in front of me and keep me on task here so I don't get carried away. But what I wanted to just share with you, and when you go back, Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Now hope does not disappoint. I think we just had a song about hope. Now, these, that verse will help that song sink in a little bit deeper because it's right from God's word. It says, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You know, verse 6 goes on about Christ in our place, Christ dying for our sins. He died that we can live. He shed his blood. He paid the price. He bought us. He owns us. And we've got to live like it. But when you think about uh, these reminders, uh, you can flip over to Romans chapter 1. And in Romans chapter 1, uh, the interesting part about this and don't have time again to read through every bit of this, but if you looked at, at Romans chapter 1, and go to, uh, go down just to verse 16, 17. The just live by faith. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek, for it is the righteousness of God that's revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And then it goes into verse 18 about God's wrath for unrighteousness. Well, you know, there's really, there's two things when you look at, if you, if you look at just Romans chapter 1, verses 16 all the way to 32, there's really two contrasts that are given there. There's the hope, there's the peace, and there's the life for the people who come to know Jesus Christ and live for him. Then it goes on to talk about, verse 18 on, the contrast of what is a life like that does not know Christ. They do not have the hope. They do not have the joy. They keep trying to satisfy their joy with temporary pleasure. They keep trying to accomplish things by education, by making more money. By having a bigger house, a bigger car, maybe two cars, maybe a lot of cars, a lot of toys. You know, things don't satisfy. And they're out there killing themselves, husband and wife working. Why? To satisfy their own desires of their heart. But the sad part is, none of that satisfies. God warns us. But they're blinded by Satan thinking... Like a lot of the TV commercials, you know, oh, you deserve it. You need this. You need that. We're bombarded with what we need, right? Do we really need it? We don't need it. Is it going to buy you happiness? Is it going to buy you joy, forgiveness of sins, or eternal life? No. And so, the, see, people need to understand. God's word shows the contrast. That look at where you are. And I, I know when I talk with some people, I think, have you ever thought about, and I'm talking about people that definitely, they've expressed that they either do not believe in God, they're agnostic, you know, they're 
atheist, uh, or they just don't believe in the Bible, or whatever. You know, they're all in that sad camp. Well, the whole thing is, they have nothing to look forward to. I know a lot of them tell me, that I've talked with about the gospel, they think, well man, I'm glad to see you've got something. But for me, I see that when I'm dead, I'm gone, it's over. You know, so while I'm here, I want to have a good time. But what they don't realize, judgment is coming. And rejection, no belief, no forgiveness. They've condemned their self. It's, it's a choice. And people need to understand life is a choice. People think that I can just go live for now and then we'll worry about later, later. But when people understand, you know what it's going to be like if you end up in hell and you never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, your sins were not forgiven, you rejected the very Lord that gave his life for you, he sacrificed and paid that price. Because I, I know how I used to think when I was in my 30s. I just thought, I'd always heard that God was love. I've always heard that when I was a boy and went to church as a boy, that, you know, all I got to do is shoot up that prayer and ask God to forgive me. And God's a loving God and he's going to forgive me and I'm in. You know, well, I'll tell you. The man who led me to Christ said, well, Don, you ever think about this? What happens if you had a heart attack so quick, you didn't even have time to show, sh shoot up that phony prayer? Because number one, God knows your heart. And he knows that that's fire hose religion. You were just shooting it up to save your bacon. And so the whole thing is, why would you want to risk Living a life with temporary pleasure when you could have the blessings of God while you're here and have the joy of Christ, the peace, have all that guilt of sin and wrongdoing removed. And God's ready to give you that. But you've got to make that choice. You've got to say, am I going to live for me? Am I going to be on the throne of my life? Or am I going to put God on the throne and live for him? Am I going to put my faith and trust in the only one who can save my soul and save my life from everlasting, never-ending suffering in hell? You know, I say it's a choice. You can either remain with a sad choice, and if you die that way and you've never come to, to grips with salvation and faith and trust in Jesus Christ and believing in him with all your heart, God is there, but we have a choice. And so what I want to just cover real quick is that how to have that joy and peace. Uh, I made some copies of enough ammunition here to keep you here all day. But the whole thing is, I just want to share a couple of things about the good news. And, and just when you look at Matthew, think about this. That old question I started with. What's the good news? I ask the question sometimes to people. And if the person's a Christian, they say the good news is the same today and the same tomorrow. I'm a child of the king, like we sang. 
And I know that someday when I go and God takes me home, I'm going to be with him forever. And, but while I'm here, I've got the peace and trust just like Abraham had. God said because of his faith, it was considered as righteousness. And God promised Abraham, I'm going to give you a child. You're going to be the father of all nations. And God kept his promise. And God is a God of, he's the promise keeper of promise keepers. And so, you know, uh, in sharing this, I, I can tell you that uh, to those who don't know Christ, uh, if God doesn't exist in their life, we know they're facing judgment and torment and it will never end. And I don't know about you, but the more I think about the wrath of God and the hell and his justice that God's given every one of us on earth a choice. But people choose. And I think we need to be the people that help people understand what they're choosing. And that there is hope. There is peace. And they can have eternal life. But uh, the, the one... Uh, a couple of things that I just want to share. Romans 1... Uh, Romans 5.1 It says, Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's verses that I put on a sheet here for you that you can go through and just chew over those verses and think about some of these verses that might be the ammunition that you need that God will use to open somebody's heart that you're sharing the gospel with or would like to share the gospel with. Or it's going to give you questions to ask about where do they stand? What do they believe? And so, uh, as we go into this, it's just, there's, there's certain things about what God's telling us. And we're not going to have right now to go through every one of these. But it's just like I wrote a little while ago, hope does not disappoint. When a person has the hope in Jesus Christ, they have the assurance, they have the promises, and they know where they're going. They're not going to have to worry about the wrath and the judgment to come. They have not been alienated because of their lack of knowledge or lack of choice. Because God tells us in Genesis that by creation itself, God has made known his wonders. God has made clear. And so it's just, we got to just help people to come to the understanding that by making no decision, they've already made a decision. And so they're just turning their back on the very solution for life while they're living and forever after they die of this earthly body that they will not get a new glorified body they will get a new body all right but it's one that's going to be suffering in hell forever and so uh, as, as you think about these things I'm just going to 
go over just a couple of key points here real quick. Uh, there's All these verses are going to be listed here, like Psalms 34, verse 8. I mentioned earlier, we sang about the taste. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And blessed, blessed is the man or the woman who trusts in him. Blessed. And so, you know, the focus is on the Lord's mercy and grace, not on our troubles. The, the focus is we need to help people get a taste of what it's like to really know Christ compared to the way they're living right now, if they're without Christ. And so these are just some of the key points that I wanted to bring out. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verse 8. We all know we are hard-pressed by every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. As a believer, yeah, we've got tough times. We're going to experience difficult times. But don't, don't be discouraged. And so, head down here, how about you? How do you respond the last time something went wrong? I mean, don't we all have th times when things go wrong? It could be financial, it could be personal, it could be marital, financial, whatever. All these different problems that can flare up. But are we to just let that consume us? No. We've got the Lord. He's our defender. And we've got to realize that even when we go through the worst of worst trials, and even at times when it seems like they're never going to end, we've got to know God is in control, that he'll never forsake you or leave you, that God is there to strengthen you. And what I think many times, we're going through hardships, and at that time, we don't understand the value or the benefit. And we don't understand that maybe God's allowing us to go through something to teach us a lesson. Maybe for us to lift up and bring glory to God. That despite our trouble, we know he's in control. And God allows all things to happen in order to bring people to the saving knowledge and faith in Jesus Christ. God uses everything for his purpose. And, but we don't always know the purpose. Except we do know it's usually one of two things. It's to bring people to know Jesus Christ or to grow in Jesus Christ. And, and so think about one, one thing I put down here somewhere if I can find it. But it's basically kind of like this. We're to, we're to keep learning on the journey. We're to know. And we're to grow. But what you know, what you learn, share it. Share it. And pray with, for others. That whatever they're going through. I may not understand what you're all going through. I don't need to understand the depth of everything. But I know that God wants us to pray. And encourage one another. And lift each other up. And so... I always kind of think about when God says when we pray and ask God to forgive us of our sins and to keep a short account, pray for the sins you know you committed and even the ones you may think and not, not, you not be aware of. 
You may have done one and it went right by you because we're sinners saved by grace. But the whole thing is, we know this. God is faithful. God wants to use our life as a beacon, as a messenger, and never give up. Never give up. Uh, and so, to close, for the fifth time, you know, Psalms 37 5, I, I love this verse. Do we all have peace during and little storms in our life? Sometimes they're major. Well, what does the Lord say here? Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. He didn't say, I'm going to bring you everything we want. He's going to bring things to pass that he knows we need. But God's promises, he'll meet our needs. And I know when I look at people that I really admire, that are faithful to the Lord, their life shines for the Lord. They've got a smile on their face, even when they're going through tough, tough times. And I know that man that prayed with me in that warehouse that day, what caught my eye is when he come into my office and he had the biggest smile you'd ever want to see. And I stuck my foot in my mouth and I asked him, I said, boy, I said, that's a big smile. What are you so happy about? And he said, do you really want to know? <laughs> I said, yeah. He says, well, if you got a few minutes, we went out in the warehouse, started talking by the dumpster, and I'll never forget it. And by the time two hours went by, and he poured his life and heart and showed me how messed up I was, and God opened the blinders from my eyes, I knew that my fire hose thinking that I'd end up in hell if I were to die and have a heart attack, and my life was not right with Jesus Christ. And when we prayed, you know, I knew. He says, well, when are you going to make that decision to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? I said, well, how about right now? I knew. I knew I was lost. We know a lot of people that are lost. We know a lot of believers that are suffering from different trials. But we need to lift them up. We need to let our light shine. And so, uh, look at these verses. And always remember, just like in Haggai, is talking about Abraham and, and Abraham's faith. What kind of faith did Abraham have that God said? Unwavering faith. I want to have that kind of faith. I don't want to doubt my Lord about anything. I don't want to be a doubting Thomas. And we all, we all slip. We all have times when Satan's beating us over the head with something and discouraging us because we know and we got to never forget Satan is out as the liar, the deceiver to trick us, to twist scripture and to get us off track. We got to remember we got to be like the railroad car that stays on the track. That rain, sleet, or snow, we stay on track. we got to keep that focus. And just remember that, you know, uh, 
I hope all these things uh, will stick with you. Another final word. Remember, I, I like this. When everything else might be good, bad, or ugly, remember, it's you and God. And that's all we need. That's all we need is to be right with God. And just, so when things get tough, just think, Lord, it's you and me. Lord, help me. And uh, that's what God's put on my heart to share with you today. Dear Lord, open our eyes. And Lord, help us to see when maybe it's each one of us that have trials to come alongside of one another. But Lord, we got a world out there that's hurting. And you tell us that don't take wrath, anger. And Lord, it's a lesson to me. When I get frustrated or angry about what I see happening in evil government directions and in communist countries, it's upsetting. Lord, help us to just do what you've told us to do. When people persecute us, things may get a whole lot worse than what we even see today. And Christians could be persecuted in the years ahead. We could be put in prison for what we think or believe. But Lord, help us to be focused on you. To remain strong. And to be like you. To be like what you said, King David, who had a whole heart for you. To be like Abraham, whose faith was counted as righteousness. Help us to be righteous, Lord, in our living, in our speech. And help us to love those who persecute us. To give to those in need, despite of what they say. To show the love of Christ in our life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Amen.